entertaining, cool. You are listening to LA Talk Radio. We say what we want. You're listening to Impact Hiring Solutions with Brad Remillard and Barry Deutsch. Only on LA Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone. My name is Barry Deutsch. I'm here with my partner, Brad Remillard. We're two of the founding partners from Impact Hiring Solutions, a hiring solutions company focused on helping candidates find great opportunities and helping hiring managers and executives identify top talent for their critical roles. Every week, we host a radio show live, like the one we're doing right now, from 11 to 12 Pacific Standard Time. One week, we'll focus on a subject for hiring managers of how to define success, find great candidates, interview effectively, and the alternating week will focus on job search for candidates ranging from subjects on personal branding, resumes, interviewing, phone interviewing, conducting a job search, planning for the job search. Today's topic is resumes, do's and don'ts. Brad and I are going to take you through about a 45-minute session on how to create a powerful document that will help you get an interview almost every time you send it out. If you'd like to join us, you've got a question, a thought, a comment, you want to probe a little deeper in something we share with you, you can do that in two ways. First, you can call us and we'll host your question live and you can dial 818 602 4929 again 818-602-4929 remember though if you have call waiting you must hit star 82 to unblock your call or you won't be able to get through if you're in an environment where it's uncomfortable to talk uh, there's lots of noise around you you don't want to be live on a radio program you can also send your question to info info at impacthiringsolutions.com And Brad and I will try to get your question on the air while we go through our program today. So I think the first thing we should start with is talking about some of the key areas. Maybe, Brad, we could outline that a little bit of what we're going to focus on in our call around resume do's and don'ts. Brad, would you say there are maybe three to five different key areas in the do's and don'ts that we should, um, in our short time period with our listeners today, try to focus on? Yeah, and I think it's important to recognize that when we talk about do's and don'ts, uh, we're not just talking about the basic stuff. Everybody knows you can't have spelling errors, grammatical errors. It's got to have, uh, uh, you know, some, it can't be overcrowded. Some of the real fundamental basics, uh, we don't need to spend time talking about that. Uh, it's a given. Now, just because it's a given, as you know, Barry, doesn't mean it happens. I mean, how many times you get a, a resume with uh, spelling errors or grammatical errors or the formatting on the resume is so poor it's hard to follow. There's no white space. It's it's just overbearing and uh, highlighting and all those basic things. You still get that, and that's probably always going to happen because candidates don't take the time to really proof it and test it and get it out there, but I think we're talking about some more basic, well, beyond the basics, maybe is a better way of thinking about it and looking at a resume uh, do's and don'ts that candidates may not think about all the time, that as readers of resumes who, I mean, 30 years I've been doing this, I can't imagine if I've read over a million resumes or whether I'm getting close to that, but it's a pretty big number. Uh, and also from hiring managers. I mean, I don't think most candidates actually step back and have the ability to be objective about their resume. And if they were a hiring manager and they're on their desks, it's 100, 200, 300 resumes. I don't think they step back and look and say, would I, if I was looking to hire myself for my position, would I select this resume is this resume so compelling so targeted so focused that this is one that would go in the a pile i don't think candidates do that and there's a lot of you know there's a lot of we could spend hours on this topic because there's so many base but i think there's some fundamental things we can go through that'll help candidates uh, get over that 
I think those are some excellent thoughts, Brad. Let's let's start kind of in a in a organized way if we could in, in terms of talking about resumes. And maybe we should start with the very top of the resume, you know, the the debate that goes back and forth about putting an objective on your resume. Um, you know, should you put I'm looking for this specific kind of position, I'm looking for these three kinds of positions, I'm looking for this level job. And the usual ambiguous generic kind of information that that most candidates put on that. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I think it depends a little bit, and I do mean a little bit, on who's doing it. For example, if you're a new student graduating from college, you may want to put the objective on because you want to kind of let them know what your goal objective is and, and why you're applying for that particular company and why you've targeted that company. But I don't think... A person that has been in the job market for three to five years, ten years, needs an objective anymore. I mean, your resume pretty much says what your objective is. If the last ten years you've been in sales, I don't need to know you're looking for a position in sales. If you've been an accounting manager for a company and you worked in public accounting before that, I think it's a waste of space to tell me your objective is to get a position in accounting. I think I should know that by your resume. So it's kind of redundant to me. So I think it's a waste of space and could be utilized a lot uh, more efficiently than regurgitating uh, what's obvious in the resume. I would agree with that. I, I, I don't even bother to look up objectives when people have been in the workforce for a period of time. But, but you raise a very good point um, about young folks coming out of college, first jobs, initial jobs, it might be unclear to the reader what kind of job they're looking for. So I think that's a very good point about them having some type of objective up there. Yeah, I think the other thing is, I mean, I think what candidates don't recognize is how people read a resume. The uh, uh, Again, if they step back and put themselves in that hiring position, I mean, think about how you read a resume. We talk about that 10 or 15 second review. And I, and I know that a, people, a number of people on our blog have commented about the 15 second review and they don't like it. Well, I don't think they understand the 15 second review. I mean, the 15 second review is, a for me, a basic block, uh, box checking. I get 300 resumes. I am not going to read 300 resumes. It's not a novel. I'm going to do some basic box checking to quickly weed out those that I'm not going to engage. Uh, for example, I mean, if I'm looking for, if my client or a company isn't looking to relocate because we're in Los Angeles and we're looking for a basic purchasing manager, HR manager, accounting manager, sales, whatever, I probably don't need to relocate. So if your resume comes in and you're out of the area, you're gone. It doesn't take me. I don't have to read your resume. If you're from New Mexico, I'm not going to pay $50,000 to move you to Orange County or Los Angeles. I've got plenty of people here, so I can get rid of that. And some of those basic block checking kind of things or box checking, you know, immediately has to, to be uh, available on a resume. I, I think and that's some of the areas that candidates really miss and don't understand why they don't get the call. If I'm looking for somebody in manufacturing, retail, banking, insurance, and you come to me with some other industry, I'm probably not going to call you right away. For the simple reason, if, if I'm looking for somebody in retail and you come with manufacturing, for the same reason I'm not going to call you as if I was looking in manufacturing and somebody came to me in retail. Who are you going to pick the phone up and call? And I don't need to see, I don't need to spend a lot of time reading your resume if you don't hit the basics. And so when I talk about the fundamentals, I'm talking about giving that information that people need to know. Those are those are all great points. I think the other area that a lot of candidates are unsure of, Brad, and I see a mixed bag of this is is where they list at the top of their resume all their skills or all their experiences 
or all their knowledge, almost like a, for lack of a better phrase, a checklist that if you're the hiring manager, here are 50 different things, Mr. Hiring Manager, that I could, that you could check off about me. What are your thoughts on that area? Yeah, well, I think candidates do that for two reasons. One is what you just mentioned is because they want the uh, hiring manager, recruiter, HR person, whatever that may be, to grasp those points and uh, and select them. Uh, I think the other reason that they do them is because candidates think that with this new electronic age, those are the key words that are going to pop up on a keyword search and therefore they need to be, you know, on top in the in the in this uh, format. I don't know when I do keyword searches on uh, databases and resume databases, doesn't matter where it is. Those keywords could be should be incorporated into the content. So not only when I looking for someone, let's just pick an example. Let's say I'm looking for international experience. Now you can have as a bullet point international experience. I'm mean, up on top is one of those key words, if you will, I think it's far more productive to have international experience into a bullet point so as I screen the resume, as I scroll down through the resume, depending on what the service does, they highlight in yellow, they underline, they bold it or whatever it may be, it sticks out in a bullet point and I read the bullet point and see what you have done or accomplished in that international arena versus just some bullet point at the top. A key word is still going to catch out. Why not put it where it's going to be effective into the content where you're going to get some value out of that? I don't want to just see it as a bullet point. I think what happens, what I find, Barry, is they put this bullet point up there, international experience. And then as you scroll through the resume, you know, maybe hidden on page two back in 1980, you know, I don't know. They went to Europe and did some foreign exchange. They, they tra- you know, they converted some money from a U.S. dollar to a U.K. pound, and they think they've done a great international experience. It doesn't tie out. Why not incorporate that into the content? I think it'd be much more productive and not waste that valuable real estate on your resume, where you could put bullet points in. I mean, that's my frustration. If I want international experience, I'm not looking for a bullet point. I'm looking for what have you done. In that international experience. And in a minute, we'll get into detail about what we mean by done, and it has nothing to do with the length of time you've been doing international work. Uh, but we'll hold that for just a moment. Brad, you made a comment a, a, a moment or two ago that I want to come back to and maybe explore in a little more detail. You talked about this idea of a 15 second resume review. Share with our listeners what you mean by that. Well, for me, I, I mean, I can give you exactly how I do it. I'll tell you exactly what I do. It's box checking. I got 300 resumes sitting in front of me. First thing I do, I grab the resume and I look at where they're from. If they're outside the area, boom, they're gone. If I'm looking down and I scroll down to the next step and I'm looking for a VP of X or a manager of X and you're a VP of Y or a manager of Y, boom, you're gone. I don't need to spend more time looking. Um, if I'm looking for a... Uh, if I'm working for a small entrepreneurial company and all I see are big uh, Fortune 500 company, you're probably going to go in the B pile because there's a difference there. And maybe you are, maybe you aren't, but at least you're going to go in the B pile. Maybe you're gone. If I'm looking for, as I mentioned, somebody with retail experience and all I see are banking, insurance, uh, internet software, you're gone. I'm not looking for you. Uh, if I'm looking for somebody who has um, had an X amount of scope of work and you don't have that same scope of work, you're gone. I have to use some methodology to quickly screen through these resumes. Now, sometimes you'll be gone. Other times you'll be in the B pile. The majority of times you can take a set of resumes and whittle it down to a manageable number. I'll give you another if I'm looking to search for a CEO, well no, that's not a good example. Let's yeah, well if I'm doing an example for a CEO and you've only grown to a manager, you're gone. If I'm looking down there and I see eight jobs in the last seven years, you're gone. My I'm not gonna you know the probability of me having to overcome that battle of turnover with my hiring manager is isn't worth it. Um if you're a, if I'm looking for a VP, 
and or a CEO or a CFO. Let's take an easy. Let's say I'm looking for a CFO, Barry. And here I look and see, let's see, 10 years ago, you were on this up track. It's what we call, what do we call that? The, the, the mountain peak kind of thing. I look right. and you've hit a CEO, a CFO in 2000. Then in 2002, you became a controller. In 2004, you became an accounting manager. And in 2006, you became an assistant controller. And in 2008, you became a uh, accounting manager. You're gone. You peaked. And for whatever reason, you're not going to get past me. So it's basic box checking things like that that uh, a person can do very quickly and very rapidly uh, without even having to read the resume to do a quick screen. And the reality is, again, I believe that that's exactly the same thing these these hiring managers, these candidates do when they're a hiring manager. We have this set of boxes that we want to check. And if you don't meet these minimum, whatever you want to call it, attributes, you're gone and we're going to move you to the B pile till we get there. Uh, you know, how do you go? Well, think about yourself, right? Tell the listeners how you go through a resume when you have this 300 resumes in your email, you know, box that 300 people have sent res- resumes to and we got to screen these things. What, so what's you your s- formatting? Yep. So as you said, it's a it's a 15 second deal. We'll we'll talk about let's say the the 30 second resume review after you get past this initial box checking, but but you're right. It's are you in the local area if it's a local search? Um, and many times I'll find that 50% of the resumes I get or my clients get, even when the advertisement says no out-of-area candidates, candidate must live within commuting distance of the company location, 50% of the resumes not only are outside of that, they're out of state. Okay, so, so so that's an immediate exclusion. Um, you know, I joke around with my clients in our workshop that we teach. You're not the person I hired. That when they run an ad online and they get 300 resumes, 298, they have trouble figuring out what keyword did the person possibly click on to want to apply because there is not even remotely a match. Yeah. And this is what frustrates most companies about advertising is that the vast majority of candidates who apply it's just it's a shotgun it's it's an attitude of if i send out enough resumes maybe someone will feel sorry for me or i'll get lucky and i'll get a phone call instead of a more focused and disciplined approach so so those are pretty easy to screen out you know you don't have the you're not you haven't had any of the right kind of experience you don't have the right job titles you're not at the right level the companies are the the wrong size the wrong type or you're not within the geographic location that's those are easy box checking and Brad said it's a 15 second deal I'm going to contend it's probably 5 seconds because yeah. all you got to do is take one click glance up and down and, and know whether it's even worth following up yeah if i'm looking for someone with a you know bachelor's degree you don't have one you're gone. I don't need to spend a lot of time reading your resume, and neither do my clients. And I want to make sure we come back to these issues, Barry, because some of these issues, well, I want to talk about how you address them, like the relocation issue and uh, and try and level the playing field a little bit. But I think, as, again, as we go through the resume do's and don'ts, those are some of the things you have to think about. Uh, I'll, and I'll tell you, you know, in, 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 in aligning with this, this is one of the biggest mistakes that uh, – candidates make the fact is if most of these candidates walked back around the desk and put on their hiring manager hat they wouldn't take their resume they wouldn't accept their own resume for the exact reasons we just talked about uh the other thing is i think that uh candidates don't help the reader help them common sense tells you you don't have to be a – I mean, nobody's got to be a brain surgeon and a Harvard MBA to figure out that if you're in sales, you got to tell me what the product is you're selling. And how many resumes do you get from people that are in sales, Barry, that give you no clue about what the product is they're selling? Now, I don't know if they do that on purpose or not, but it's the dumbest thing I, I can think of. That's like you don't give me any information. But Brad, so, that's that's I think 
I mean, sales is an obvious one, but we could take that into areas of engineering, manufacturing, operations, uh, marketing, product management. I mean, there's only a couple of generic areas where maybe one where it really doesn't matter, like like being a financial manager, but I still want to know. What did your company do? What was the volume, the size, the kinds of products, the kinds of markets? And and I'm just dumbfounded where I have to fish for that information. And as a recruiter, if I have 300 resumes and I already got a stack of 10 that look pretty good, I'm not going to fish on your resume if you're a candidate that hasn't provided that information. And I don't have time to pick up the phone and call every single person. So all you candidates out there, listen, I'm sorry. We don't have time to pick up the phone and call you to find out that Reliable Industries doesn't line with what my company does. You know what? That's your fault for not telling us. You're the communicator. You're the person writing this. It is your job, not the reader's. It is your job to communicate concisely, succinctly, and with clarity and with complete, I can't think of the word I'm looking here, thoroughness of what this is. Basic, again, step around the desk. When you're a hiring manager, you want to know what the company did, how big does, I'm sorry, what the company does, mean what their industry, product, how big they are. And you want to know some basic scope of responsibility about your job. Does it, do you manage 100 people? Do you manage two people? Do you have multi-locations? Is it international? You want to know those basics. And so I would say 80% of candidates leave that information off their resume and they're dumbfounded why they don't get calls back. And it just... It's play. You're in engineering. Is it a custom product? Is it a? Are you engineering technology? Are you engineering consumer products? Are you engineering knobs that go on uh, the front door on your kitchen cabinets? Or are you engineering a uh, rocket ship? It makes a difference. IT. What platforms? What um, technologies are you involved in? It just it just dumbfounds me that candidates leave this off when in fact. Resume 101A tells you this is vital information to communicate to the reader. And if you leave it off thinking that, well, you know what? If I leave this off, if I put it on there, let me reverse that. If I put it on there, well, I know they're not going to call me, so I'll leave it off. And maybe they'll call me and I'll get a chance to sell them. That is just ridiculous. That's like saying, well, you know what? Maybe if I don't call, tell you I'm a car dealership and you're looking for a motorcycle when you come in, I'll be able to sell you a car. That's so stupid that it doesn't make sense because as soon as I call you, if I'm looking for somebody in retail and you tell me you're in an insurance company, I'm going to hang the phone up anyway. So subterfusion doesn't work in a resume. Is that a real word? I don't know. I may have just made it up, but uh, people at least know what it means. Do you think, Brad, that that's the um, primary rationale behind why candidates – literally, I I would probably say 85% of the resumes I see do not have this information on it. Would you say – that's the primary reason is they're hoping for subterfuge. They're hoping that there'll be some glimmer of a, a spark that as a hiring manager, you see something because if they put too much information, they're afraid of being excluded from consideration. Oh, I'm sure it is. I mean, I think it, uh, it it's, it's almost, uh, you know, it's, it's deceptive. Uh, it's a, it's not, maybe that's a strong word, intentionally deceptive, but I mean, it, it you're not going to get past the screener when they call you. It accomplishes nothing. It's uh, it's it's just. I mean, it's it's like advertising a product in the in the advertisement, but not telling what the product is. So when they come in, they get what they don't want. They're going to walk out of the store. It's no different than anything else. Put it up front. If you're right, you'll get the call. If you're not, you won't. And you don't want. It doesn't do you any good to do anything differently. So uh, all it does, for the most part, is get you excluded. Particularly if you align with the company. What if you align with the company? Don't put it on there. You lost right. the call for the wrong reason. And I got to believe, I mean, I was talking to another recruiter friend of ours, one of our affiliates. He said the same thing. He says one of the most frustrating things I get when 
having a clue what uh, ABC company is or reliability company or, or you know the, some name of some unknown company. I don't have a clue what it does. You know, it's silly. Uh, and uh, candidates do this. And I don't know if they do it intentionally or not, but it's it's a waste of uh, sending out paperwork because you're not going to get the call anyway. Now, take that one step further. So as you know, executive recruiters, Brad and I are maybe working on 8 to 12 simultaneous assignments each. Now take this to a, a mid-sized company. They might have 30 openings at one time. They might have 40 openings. If you're trying to apply to a company and you're sending your resume to human resources, the hiring manager, a recruiter, they're overwhelmed. They're going to take even less time than we're taking. And, and that's why I... One of the most common frustrations I hear among candidates is I send my resume out to all these different places and I never hear back. That's because within five seconds it went in the trash can. They don't have the time or inclination to call you up and ask for this very basic kind of information about what does your company do? What's the scope of the product you sold? What markets do you deal with? You know, I wish candidates would take a step back. And uh, in our book, this is not the position we. Ex- this is not the position I accepted. Uh, we have I don't know four or five chapters on resumes, right. and uh, I wish candidates would take a step back and realize that the resume is a marketing document. It is, for all practical purpose, an advertisement. And just like when you read an ad on TV or in the newspaper or a magazine, you want to know some basic things that are going to get you interested in buying that product. And by leaving this important information off, you're right. If a company has 15 openings, 20 openings, and you've got a, an internal recruiter or HR trying to fill these 20, 30 openings in the company uh, across all the different functional areas in a company, you know, multiply that out. They don't have time to, to, to pick up the phone and call yet. And so candidates shoot themselves in the foot by not helping the reader get excited about them, which is the purpose of a marketing document. A marketing document or advertisement is about what the reader's motivation is or are, not about what yours are. And candidates need to step back and take a look at that. And our book spends a lot of time uh, going into detail on the resume. I mean, we have, I think, five resumes that we dissect and tell you what's wrong with this resume, why these aren't going to get, you know, identify. We have a template to go through. We have a sample resume that, that does do the right thing and does get highlighted. But candidates need to step back and recognize that if they want their resume to get read, uh, identified, it has to stand out from the rest of the crowd and it has to be with the reader in mind, not with them in mind. Brad, let's take this one step further, and I think we should maybe step back for a second. And for those listeners who have joined us, maybe share with them who we are and what we're doing. Uh, Again, my name is Barry Deutsch. I'm with my partner, Brad Remillard. We're partners of Impact Hiring Solutions, a hiring solutions company focused on helping candidates in their job search find great opportunities and using our proprietary method and system called the career success methodology literally reduce by 50 percent the time it takes to find a great opportunity we alternate these calls these live radio shows at 11 o'clock 11 to noon that is Pacific Standard Time every Monday between focusing on candidates job search resumes uh, interviewing for a job and the alternating weeks, we focus with hiring managers on how to define, source, identify, assess, and evaluate top talent. If you'd like to join us on the call and you've got a question you'd like to pose, you can call it in. Uh, Brad, share with our listeners what that uh, phone number is, if you could. I yeah, you oh, I got it here. Sorry. Yeah. You, can, you can give us a call at 818-602-4929. Or you can email us, uh, and maybe after this thing, Barry, we'll take an email here. Um, you can email us at info at impacthiringsolutions.com. Uh, and we're talking today about resume do's and don'ts. 
And in fact, uh, you can go on our website and we put together what we call a, a resume success system. It's how to develop and write a resume that's dealing with all the issues we're talking about today to get you noticed. Barry and I have taken our 30 years of experience and put this into this resume system. It's two CDs. It's a, the templates. It's an example of a res, what a resume should look like. It's got templates, completed templates, so you can see how it gets done. And believe it or not, we sell this for thirty nine ninety five. I mean, we, we're not trying to make a fortune off this. At thirty nine ninety five, and even a hundred people buy them, you know, Barry and I aren't going to retire on this stuff. But I know I'm blown away by how much. A number of the job boards charge. I mean, somebody called me the other day. They wanted $700 to put a resume together. That for $39, you can do yourself. This stuff is available. But candidates, somehow, maybe we should charge $700. Maybe they see it's more value to it. I don't know. But for $39, you can get everything you need to put a great resume together that is about the reader, that addresses all the things we're talking about today and more, and examples, and make that compelling resume that really is a marketing document. And you can get it on our website, impacthiringsolutions.com. Just go to the top where it says candidate, scroll down to where it says products, and go over to resume success system, and you can read all about it there. But you don't need to invest seven, eight hundred, nine hundred dollars for a canned resume when you can do this basic kinds of things that will make you stand out. And that's what we're talking about today is how can you take your resume and make it stand out. Get past that box checking because once they're past that box checking, as Barry mentioned earlier, that's when they're going to step back and start reading your resume, actually reading your resume. They're past the basic fundamental stuff. You already passed that screen. Now they're going to step back and read your resume. This is where the rubber meets the road. If you don't get past this next step, they're never going to call you. So uh, something to think about in terms of get the different stages you go through. First, you get past the resume, stage one, reading the basic, and then you get into the reading of the resume. Barry, you want to take a uh, an email if you got one? Yes, very good. Um, this one came in from, <clears throat> excuse me, this one came in from Julie in Atlanta. Julie said, okay, I've heard what you guys said. I'm in the right location. I've got the right titles for an open opportunity. I've worked on my resume over and over, but I still can't seem to get a call back. What am I missing? So it sounds like Julie made it through the 15-second review, but she's wondering why is, it she, why is she not getting a call back. Brad, some thoughts, and then I'll jump in after you. Well, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that completely because I haven't seen Julie's resume, but my guess is that once you get past that basic box checking, that, that kind of that stage one, that's when the company now or the hiring manager, the executive recruiter is going to take a more in-depth look at your resume, uh, get into more of the types of things you've accomplished, um, the success stories that you've had, uh, the activities and the scopes of your responsibility. And so it's, it's very common, which I think is another don't on resumes, is – Candidates have this generic, one-size-fits-all resume. And so regardless of what the advertisement or the reason for you responding to that, you send this generic, one-size-fits-all resumes. And this, this, again, this resume, our resume success system that I just mentioned earlier – the template is designed to clearly get you away from that because one size fits all doesn't work any more than one advertisement for some of the best. Think of the best marketing companies on the planet, Apple, Nike, McDonald's, any more than they have one advertisement for their product 
you may not be able to have one marketing document for you. So my guess is you're probably not taking your resume and adapting the bullet points to clearly align with what that hiring manager or recruiter might be looking for. And uh, Barry, before I let you jump in, let me just say I tested this about three, four months ago. I took an ad and I put together about four, maybe five sentences. And in that ad, which I sent out to my uh, database, I it was an email. I said, I'm looking for a director of supply chain management. Now, in that four lines, I had the words um, outsourcing listed seven times, and I had um, supply chain management, I think it was supply chain management, about six times. It would sense to me that a candidate looking at it would say, oh, gee, I guess outsourcing, since it's listed here six times, should stand out on my resume. This is something that in order to demonstrate I'm qualified once I get past the box checking, Brad's looking for, so I should have a resume that talks about outsourcing. Now, I got back 188 responses, each which telling me how great they were in outsourcing manufacturing. Except when I went to their resume, there was the generic one-size-fits-all resume that maybe had the word outsourcing bury up in that top bullet points that we mentioned earlier. But that, once you got down to the meat of the resume, started reading the resume, only two, two out of 188 went back, adjusted their resume to where outsourcing and supply chain stood out. So I'm going to suggest Julie probably isn't going back realigning her resume with that person's needs. Long answer to a short question. I apologize. And, and, and I'll pick up on that. I mean, I'll step back even further. One of my greatest disappointments in looking at resumes, even though as a candidate, everything you've probably read, this is the number one recommendation. It still doesn't get done. And, and particularly at professional levels, executive levels. It is to quantify in terms of time, scope, complexity, number of people, budgetary responsibility, impact, amount of money saved, cost reduction, accomplishments that you're most proud of. The vast majority of resumes that Brad and I see are almost the mere image of a job description. Their duties and responsibilities. As chief financial officer, I was responsible for overseeing capital equipment, producing budgets, uh, generating forecasts, uh, banking relationships, its activities, its tasks, its generic and ambiguous descriptions of work. I want to know what you did, what you accomplished, what have you achieved. How does that align with the goals and objectives that we're looking for? And the reality is for most functional jobs, finance, operations, engineering, distribution, manufacturing, human resources, there are really only maybe four to six major components of that job, and and you probably only have to touch on three or four of those to get someone to want to pick up the call, want to talk, pick up the phone and want to talk to you, yet for some reason, your candidates are afraid to articulate their goals and objectives. And I'm not talking about sharing confidential trade secrets, but I want to know, did you hire 72 people in three months, 89% of which have hit, successfully hit your superior expectations of performance? Did you implement a new performance evaluation methodology in your company? Did you save the company $3 million over two years by re-engineering the value of products on 17 product lines? What did you do? What impact did you have? That's what hiring managers are most interested in as it relates to the job they've got. 
So just at a basic level, not defining what you've done, how you've done it, the impact you've had, what your role was, will almost guarantee certain exclusion from being called. In the wealth of the material Brad and I have posted on our website, free templates, free forms, uh, examples, illustrations, our home study job search kit, our, our unique resume kit to help you prepare this marketing document, other radio shows we've done. I mean, I could go on and on about the wealth of information on our website that is both free and complimentary, and then some of the products and services that we provide. It zeroes in on how do you get this put together so that you can articulate how great of a person you are and how your accomplishments link up with what that hiring manager might be looking for. Brad, anything you would add to that? No, I would just, again, go back to Julie and tell Julie, you know, target that resume. Read that advertisement carefully. Ask that recruiter. Try and target your resume. Don't just post. I think Barry touched upon perfectly. Don't just repost a job description in a resume form. And that's probably uh, where I think most candidates make a huge mistake is they repost a resume, I mean, a job description in their resume and think I'm going to get excited about it uh, and don't talk don't stop to think that uh, I don't want a generic resume. I want a targeted resume. I want that marketing document to get to my client's motivation. So I think one of the, the pieces of feedback we've heard over time, and this might sound like a, an obvious commercial I'm laying out there, but, but hundreds of candidates have written us back after using our resume kit to transform their resume, their percentage of phone calls and physical interviews shot up dramatically. And usually, it's just a few minor changes that made the biggest difference. We're not talking about being a brain surgeon around or, or a copywriter in how you're communicating what you're capable of. Sometimes it's just simply talking about what your company does, the kind of products, and making sure you're hitting those four to six areas that, that, that everybody's looking for accomplishments in. Let me give you an illustration. In finance, if you're applying controller, VP finance, chief financial officer, and I'm a president of a company, there are probably four to six key things I want to know about you. Have you implemented, changed, or approved budgeting and forecasting systems? Have you worked on the capital structure of the firm in terms of equity, finance, cash flow, preparing the firm to ha adequately handle growth? Um, have you done capital expenditures if it's a manufacturing company or if it purchases equipment? And, you know, the, we could go down that list for every functional category. If you can hit your goals and accomplishments in those areas, sometimes you don't even have to go as far as Brad talked about in terms of targeting because you've already covered the major areas. Brad, yeah, I, one, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Barry. There's one last piece in the last five to seven minutes I'd like to talk about, and, and we touched on this idea of targeting your resume. You know, reading the ad, making sure you've got the bullet points of, you know, two or three lines that, that focus on those subject areas in your resume. But hiring managers want more depth. They want to know when they say, I, we need someone who can handle international transfer pricing between 32 countries because we move product all over the world. You might have a couple of key points in your resume, but there's another place that you could target and customize. And it's almost just as important as your resume, and that's the cover letter. Brad, let's spend a moment or two talking about how powerful that, that cover letter is, and, and particularly in light of Brad posted an article on our blog about cover letters, what, Brad, about two, three weeks ago? Yeah. We probably had over 2,000 hits on that one blog article by itself because of the power of it. So, so Brad, take a moment and share how that cover letter is a complementary tool along with the resume. Well, that's the key. You, the key word is a complementary tool. Uh, it is not, and again, this is another don't, kind of the resume do's and don'ts. It is not a substitution for your resume, and it is not an addendum to your resume. It is simply a tool. And so on our website, you can download that free sample. It's on the home page. Just scroll to the bottom where it says uh, sample resume, you can get your own copy. But the, the goal of that is to align your background 
to the reader's motivation. And so I even there's a YouTube. I even got an article up on I mean a video up on YouTube that you can look at um, about this cover letter. And so a couple of things. Number one, a cover letter is just to get the reader's attention. It is not a substitute. So my biggest pet peeve, nothing ticks me off more than to read your cover letter. Get all excited about your experience. Thinking finally, I got this candidate. Wow, this candidate looks fantastic. What a great cover letter. I cannot wait to go to the resume and read this candidate. I think I filled my search. And then have the rug pulled out from under me. When I go to your resume and find absolutely nothing on your resume that ties into your cover letter. Because you didn't take the time to target the resume. You sent me that generic resume. A cover letter is not a substitution for your resume. What happens if the cover letter gets sub- gets uh, pulled apart from your resume? Now you've got a resume that says nothing. What When people distribute your resume amongst the uh, hiring managers and the team, they don't include the cover letter. They send the resume. So they look at it and say, well, the person doesn't match because the information on the cover letter, it doesn't belong there. If you're going to put it on the cover letter, make darn sure the same depth is in your resume. I will also mention something earlier. Barry mentioned we were talking about relocation earlier. This is also an area where you can use the cover letter to clarify some issues on your resume. For example, we were talking about relocation. As a general rule, we're not going to relocate you. So if you put down, uh, if we look at your resume and it's out of state, you're gone. Now, in the cover letter, let's say, for example, you have a home in California and you're living in somewhere else and you want to come back to California and there's no relocation because you're coming back anyway, at least level the playing field. In your cover letter, simply say, I own a home in Southern California. There's no relocation expense involved because we're coming anyway. At least if your resume then is compelling, you've somewhat leveled the playing field. If you're willing to pick up your own expenses, tell me, hey, you know, I'm willing to pay my own costs to relocate because we really want to come to California. At least you've begun to level the playing field. So then if your resume is so compelling, I may pick the call up, pick the phone up, call you and tell, call my client, say, look, I know this person's out of state, but you don't have to invest 50000 They're coming here anyway, and they've got a great resume. So you can use that cover letter to communicate issues, but it doesn't separate or it is not an addendum to your uh, to your resume. You have to still have a compelling, targeted resume. And again, you can go to our website, impacthiringsolutions.com, scroll to the bottom, under the What's New section, you'll see download a free sample of our cover letter. And like Barry said, I don't know, 1,000 to 1,500 people have downloaded this. Uh, you can also take a look at that resume kit. Uh, I want to make sure one thing you know is, you know, people pay this outrageous amount of money to these companies to prepare the resume. And the problem with it is they give you this one-size-fits-all generic resume. Now what do you do when you want to target the resume, when you want to adjust the resume? You don't have the tools to do it because they've just given you a tool. They haven't taught you how to do it. If you take a look at our resume system that we've talked about for, I don't know what it is, 40 bucks, we're not only – we're giving you the – we're teaching you how to do it so you can go back and adjust your own resume to target that person. You don't have to spend another seven, 800 bucks to have your resume redone. You don't need to invest that kind of money. You can do it for a small fee. And what's that saying? Something about give me a fish, feed me for a day, teach me how to fish, and you feed me for life. We're going to give you the tools to help you how to continue to write that resume over and over again. And again, it's on our resume. I know, Bear, we only got about two minutes left. Anything you want to say in closing as we uh, go through any big points we've missed? Well, I want to pick up what you were talking about, about our resume kit, you know, in terms of a tool, I'd even take it one step further is it's not a, as Brad said, it's not a one size fits all, but rather it's a framework for successfully putting together a marketing document that can raise your, your success in getting callbacks and getting interviews from what 
probably you're experiencing right now is I'm going to bet one out of 10, one out of 20, well, well into the 50% plus range. When you send a resume that's for an appropriate level role and you've used this targeted approach that we talk about in our book, as Brad mentioned, four or five chapters, and we go into great depth in our resume kit, simple, easy to use kit. You should be easily getting into the 50% range when you send resumes in. And that's the kind of success that we hear back from candidate after candidate that have used these simple methodologies. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing we do different than than other teach than, than most other sites, we're really not trying to sell you a product as their goal. We're trying to teach you. We're trying to give you the tools and teach you how to use those tools to basically stand on your own. We're one of the few organizations, companies selling product that are designed to teach you and actually have you say, I don't need you anymore because I've learned. Other companies want you to write resumes and then come back and write a second one and a third one as multiples. We're doing just the opposite. We're trying to teach you how to conduct an effective search to get your job. And our tools are designed as learning instruments. We call our book, this is not the position I accept, a workbook. It's not a book to read. It's a workbook to teach you how to do the things you can do effectively and thereby reduce your time in search and never need us again effectively. So uh, with that, uh, we're out of time. Uh, We encourage you to rethink your resume as a marketing document, target it, focus on what the customer or the hiring manager recruiter need needs are so that when they get past the box checking they start reading your resume and you land the position uh anything last bear we got about 10 seconds left nope i think that's it all right and with that uh have a great week and we'll be back next week every week monday at 11 o'clock to noon pacific standard time on la talk radio You're listening to Impact Hiring Solutions with Brad Remillard and Barry Deutsch, only on LA Talk Radio.